thank you very much for downloading the Trap One podcast. I'm Mark. I'm John. And I'm Simon. So if, like me, you miss hearing about witch hunts since Donald Trump had the US election stolen from him, this is the podcast for you as we talk about <laughs> Wilkinson's novelization of a 2018 episode, The Witchfinders. So this, what did you guys think of this episode? I, this is one of my favourites from series 11. Um, thought it was, a, it was a good story and... Alan Cummings as um, well, Simon James the First, John James the Sixth. Uh, I thought was <laughs> thank, thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> was one of the high points of the uh, uh, of the whole thing. So I think one of the interesting things, uh, the one of the things I was interested to see in the novelization was how much of that was in the performance uh, and how much of that was in the writing. Um, so what did you guys think of the episode when it went out? Yeah, it was again, like you said, Alan Cummings was just fantastic and his slightly camp performance as king james (laughs) was um was a real highlight of the episode but again um there was real atmosphere in it and it looked so cold and muddy and wet and horrible there it's grim up north (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, i i absolutely loved it you know it was um a, a, a standalone high point of that season uh, series, I think we, we say in the UK. Um, yeah, you know, it it, um, it, it it struck me, you know, sort of go, going to the, the novelization, uh, which is what, what I guess we're going to be talking about today mostly, um, is how different uh, target novelizations are now from the way they used to be when I was little. Because when, when I was little, you you got the Doctor Who story, that was it, it was gone, you never saw it again, right? There was no indication you would ever see it again. And sometimes in WH Smith's, you would just see a Doctor Who book and that would that would be your opportunity uh, to, to read the whole thing. And, uh, and there were two sorts. There were the, the, the ones that were just very, very straightforward renditions of the TV program. And then there were the ones like, like Malcolm Hawke's ones, for instance, uh, where they just stuck a load of extra stuff in. Um, and you, you know, you had no idea. Now these modern days today, Mark, I don't know if, if, if you've seen, but they've got the streaming and that there's <laughs> the iPlayer and the YouTubes and things. Um, you can just watch everything all the time. Who needs a novelization? Nobody. Um, so, so, so these things are, are kind of weird artifacts. Um, but given that I think Joy Wilkinson has just done an exemplary thing here. You know, she's taken her story, right. And I, I, don't know how happy she was with uh, what she wrote and the way it was rendered on the screen. I think it was fantastic, but she's taken it and stuck it into a book and added a whole big bunch of stuff that makes it better. Very much an expanded version of what we saw on TV. And that's, those were the target books when I was, was a bit older um, that I really liked where you'd get things that you hadn't seen on TV and get the background of the characters and sort of go into their heads. But also you'd get those little Terrence Sticks prologues where suddenly you'd see um, sort of like at the start of the Hand of Fear where you'd get to see what had happened on Castria before anything had happened or the history of the Osirens in um, Pyramids of Mars and things like that that just adds 
just those tiny details that make it all seem a whole lot bigger than you saw on TV. Yeah. Isn't, isn't there a whole big bit at the start of the cave monsters about uh, the, the thing hurtling towards Earth and it, it turns into the moon, but they don't know that, um, the Silurians. It's like, it's like a whole Silurian perspective chapter right at the beginning of the book. Have I, have I dreamed that? Is that real? Oh, I'm sure that's right. And I know there is, a, there is another chapter in the book, isn't there, where it's from the Silurians' point of view, where he's wandering out on the moors and seeing sort of all the humans for the first time and things like that. That's really well done. Sorry, I, I didn't really answer your question, Mark. Uh, what did I make of the episode? It was beautiful. I love it. I mean, it, the, the thing about this era of Doctor Who is it's just stunning. It's beautiful. It looks amazing. It sounds amazing. It's bringing just whole loads of new people into Doctor Who fandom that have previously been put off. It's, it, it's all magnificent. Yeah, uh, big, big flag waver me before we go any further we should say um that there will be spoilers in this podcast we are going to talk about the the new material um uh, which has some some big revelations and ramifications for some of the main characters or some of the doctor, guests doc, doc, doctor who's a lady now yes <laughs> uh so yeah if you if you haven't read the book and you plan to then uh you might want to um Still, still download this podcast, obviously, um, but just keep it, <laughs> keep, keep it on your uh, on your device until until you after you've read the book or listen to the audio book. <laughs> so, Sorry, yeah. Bob. I, 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 this is exactly my strategy for promoting podcasts, which is once you've done them, tell people not to download them. Don't. have <laughs> <laughs> done this thing, but it's probably not for you. Best not to listen to it. <laughs> It's interesting the um, of this crop of new series novelizations. They've each taken a slightly different uh, stance on on new material. What we've got with this one is a framing device set from Willa Twiston's point of view years after the events of this, in the form of letters written to the Doctor, which are interspersed throughout. Uh, but I don't think we know it's Willa initially, do we? From the first couple, but you kind of gradually as the, as they go through, you realise that it must be her. Uh, leading up to the end. Um, and I think it's a good way of adding jeopardy and a bit of mystery as well, if you if you already are familiar with the episode, which has, as you say, been available on the iPlayer since it was originally broadcast three years ago. This is the this is what's going to keep you guessing um, and, uh, and uh, keep you reading right to the end to see what the denouement is. Yeah. You just reminded me that this episode came out uh, three years ago it was basically the 55th anniversary special, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I think so. It was, hang on, <laughs> reads back up. Book, uh, 20, 25th of November, 2018. Oh. Very good. Yeah, but again, not not terribly interesting. <laughs> this, this is my convers conversational skill. It's like, full stop, new paragraph. <laughs> so, I mean, to, to jump to the end to some extent, what what did we think of the of the framing device? Given it is fairly separate from the from the main narrative, um, it's Willa in, in the future. She's been imprisoned again. Um, for, for alleged witchcraft. 
she's writing a letter to the doctor um, as she goes through asking for her help to, uh, to, to get her out of this situation. Um, and it looks very much at the end like she isn't going to be rescued. The way it's written about how she ends up back in the same place in Bilehurst. Um, and it's written quite in a doom-laden way at that point. She, she, she made it back and she they go to the gallows. And then at the very last minute, the, the doctor and her friends uh, rescue her. And then it turns out that she's uh, she's become immortal and um, spends the rest of her life at the end of the universe with Clara and a shielder, which was not something I saw coming at all. Well done for not saying Clara and me, which, yes. which is what it, says, <laughs> what it says in the book. Um, it's, it's beautiful. I, I thought it was um, it was kind of cruel because it you know it, it, it felt like uh, you know she she was kind of. I mean, she got basically right the way through to the point of her execution, and that's when she's rescued. And you go, well, that's a bit cruel. Could they not have stepped in slightly earlier? And then there's just a, a brilliant bit of writing that says, so, sorry, sorry we left it so late, but, you know, we had to, you know, kind of wait until you'd finished all your letters, <laughs> which is <laughs> it's really, really rather brilliant. Um yeah, it, it, it's a it, it's a spectacular bit of writing and a lovely bit of retrofitting. Absolutely, and it ties into the wider sort of part about the the tree plays a more prominent part in the story. I think even more prominent than it does in the TV episode, in that it has these alien properties which have allowed her life to be extended. What did you make of it, Simon? I I thought that was just a, a beautiful ending. It was so nice to find out what happened to Willa after the story because it's left so open-ended on TV. And for Joy to come back and uh, tie tie her story up at the end was just really lovely. I, I was so pleased to read that bit. And when I worked out it was Willa's story, I was just willing her to keep going on and keep <laughs> keep living and don't die. You deserve better than this after you've been such a great character all the way through. It's nice that we see we see her from the moment the TARDIS leaves as well with um with the king. Um and then what happens in the immediate aftermath and that right through to to the end, to the end of time. It's uh it's 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 a nice big arc, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I love the fact that the king bolted before he could keep his promise to her and just <laughs> went as quickly as he could from there. Yeah. Could move you somewhere nice, like Preston. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Preston. Um, yeah, no, it, 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 it's superb. Um, there is... Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's a big part of the story. There's 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 a difference between the way uh, James King James treats Ryan uh, and the, the way he treats um, Willa, you know, and 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 it, it, the, the, there's a lot of. Um, I, I, what I like about this podcast, Mark, is that this this is a book that is clearly about. <laughs> the oppression of women and you've gathered three middle-aged white men <laughs> to, to talk about it so I, 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 I'm not I don't I don't want to go too far down this road but um, 
there's a lot of stuff that gets highlighted in this book that I think is absolutely brilliant is not stuff that you would have seen in Doctor Who you know sort of 30 40 years ago and it is instrumental in bringing um uh, girls and young women into the fandom uh you know in a way that I've never seen before uh, and which is just hugely encouraging is that right I think there's a lot to be said for that. I, um, this <clears throat> this story in particular is so female heavy, and um, all just about all of the major parts are are for women, other than King James, really. And it's a a beautiful piece of writing um, from that point of view. That it's it's the story of the oppression of these women who haven't really done anything wrong except for being women and yeah and um my one of my favorite moments in the book is when the doctor suddenly realizes that she's in trouble because she's in history at a time when women were oppressed and now she's a woman and it's that sudden realization in her that actually if she was a man she could stride through this story cut through all of this people would listen to her and now they're not going to listen to her and she's as oppressed as anyone else in this time because of her sex and that's um that's just brilliant and obviously was one of the things that hasn't been addressed on tv particularly so it's wonderful that um joy wilkinson gets the chance to to deal with with this change and um and does it so well yeah no i 100% agree there's um there's a bit is isn't there where uh, king james assumes that the doctor is graham's assistant somehow and it's just like massively uncomfortable mhm it's a, it's a really pivotal scene i think um and we have a special guest reading of that particular section from brun mitchell uh, so we'll hear that now I'm the Doctor, she said. We're your witchfinders, sire, as we explained to Mistress Savage. James peered at the official document she held out. He was less familiar with his witchfinding staff than his acting company, who tended to be less uptight, more fun, and much more aesthetically pleasing. Witchfinder's assistant, he read, appraising the Doctor with fresh scepticism. The Doctor frowned at the paper as James dismissed her and instead approached the elder gent with all the warmth and bonhomie of an old comrade. So you must be the Witchfinder General. What? The doctor spluttered. The psychic paper had gone method, not just done in calligraphy and a parchment wash, but channeling the 17th century prejudices that James beamed out. For the first time, she was confronted with the brick wall her new body could smash into, blocking her out of power, making her invisible, inaudible. Assistant? No one answered her. The only acknowledgement was Becker's. Uh, she said she was the Witchfinder General, diminishing the Doctor still more before the King, making out she was lying. But James didn't even pick up on that subterfuge. He was much too tickled, guffawing at the great wheeze. A woman could never be the General. Pure humiliation. The Doctor was itching to take James to task, but she made herself hold back figuring out there must be some pros as well as cons to this female form in certain times on Earth. Underestimation could have its benefits. Silly me, I must have got all confused, 
mustn't a boss? She fixed Graham with a look, challenging him to find a way of playing this without winding her up, while still passing muster with the king. Uh, yeah, that's me, sire. Northwest Division, promoted from Essex. Now James nodded, apparently finding Graham's authority convincing whatever he said. And these are your underlings. The doctor's apoplexy flared. Ryan gave a mean dead eye. Graham scrambled. It's a very flat team structure. We each have our area of expertise. Even the wee lassie. James cocked a brow at the doctor, who'd had enough. Even me. Very handy undercover. Set a woman to catch a woman. Ah, a cunning ruse using your innate aptitude for nosiness and gossip. The doctor longed to show her aptitude for decking him, but her innate pacifism and sense of self-preservation prevailed. Just. Luckily, James moved on to Ryan with a gleam in his eye. Thank you very much to Bryn for that brilliant reading. And you can read Bryn's review on We Are Cult, um, which uh, you also write for, Simon. I did. I was very cross, actually, that Bryn got to review this one because I got to review all the other Target books, but Bryn nabbed this one before I could get it. So, so this is a nice chance to redress the balance. It is an absolutely tremendous review. Mm-hmm. One of the things that she picks up on, which um, which I kind of noticed as well, was the slight tweaking of the line about the, about the New Testament, um, where... I can't quite remember. It's something like the, um, is it thou shalt not such suffer a witch to live? And the doctor says, oh, it's in the Old Testament. But then in the New Testament, there's um, the, uh, the, you know, the line about love thy neighbor. I might be misquoting. Oh, yeah. But I think there was a sense at the time, I remember reading something that, that it was perceived slightly anti-Semitic about the, um, about the New Testament. So the line is just slightly tweaked in the book as well to say uh, the Bible also says or something like that. Uh, yeah, that's good. Done. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's only half the line, though, isn't it? This is another just absolutely pointless hill um, that I will die on. It, it, it does say love thy neighbour, but that's only half of it. It's love thy neighbour. It's something like love thy neighbour as you love yourself, love, love thyself. So it, it's not just about compassion to other people. It's about compassion towards yourself as well. You know, it's... Uh, it's treating everybody equally. It's not that sort of um, punitive Christianity that you sometimes get. That was interesting, wasn't it? You've all gone quiet. <laughs> Just <laughs> thinking <laughs> one through. <laughs> I, I don't think I should be on podcasts. <laughs> it's a very good point. And, um, another bit where I wondered if she was slightly tweaking uh, something that was in the episode. An interesting bit when King James is talking to Ryan, and it's that scene where he's talking about all the um, the things that have happened to him and the attempts on his life. And on the TV episode, there's a slightly odd moment where the, after the king's listed all this stuff, and then Ryan grins, and then he goes, oh, you're not kidding. And I always thought that was a sort of a slightly weird reaction for him. And in the book, it's much more like uh, the king says, there's been numerous attempts to kidnap me, kill me or blow me up. It's a miracle I'm still alive. And Ryan just goes, you're not kidding, as in, you're not kidding that it's a miracle you're still alive. And it's like, it's exactly the same dialogue. Um, And it made me wonder if that was something that, uh, you know, in the the performance uh, from Tosin Cole or from the director that, 
that slightly changed that in the interpretation of it, but makes more sense, I think, in the in the writing of it. Mm-hmm. It's Ooh. tiny to make, but just uh, interesting in a way that it was tweaked for the book. Yeah, I, I absolutely love the stuff between King James and Ryan. It's just superb. And <laughs> you've reminded me of that that bit where they're sort of comparing backstories um and james says something like it's a it's a long sad story a tragedy uh and ryan says i've got time tell me uh uh, oh no yeah sorry ryan says something like my father died when i was a baby no, no, it's James says, I, my father died when I was a baby. Ryan says, I feel you. I lost my mum and my nan. And then James says, my father was murdered by my mother, who was then imprisoned and beheaded. And Ryan says, OK, that's worse. And it's just, <laughs> it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful bit of litotes. But that, mm-hmm. that's... Um, that that sort of Ryan and James stuff that goes on through throughout the stories is just absolutely beautiful. I, I love oh, the fact that Ryan is not remotely phased by it. This is actually slightly tempted at the end of the book by the offer to go back to London and be <laughs> James's bodyguard. I don't think his life would have been quite so charmed for very long. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> and he'd never have got his trainers clean. Oh no. my god, the trainer <laughs> stuff is majestic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's little touches like that that I liked all the way through. One of my my favourite bits is um is um at the start where um Graham's talking about how he suge- um thinking about how he suggested the coronation of Elizabeth the first because um, the feast <laughs> and the story were bound to be top notch, and also yeah. his. <laughs> of Elizabeth, the Kate Blanchett film, <laughs> Elizabeth, had clashed with his series link Bake Off's repeat. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought, like, that is absolutely perfect for Graham. That is exactly <laughs> how he would react to his time travelling. <laughs> That's a, a nice through line from one of the other books as well, um, from one of the like the original 13th Doctor books. Um, and obviously it's a huge in-joke as well, because there's something about him want, wanting to get home in time for Pointless. Um, his um, his main position as the as the host of the chase as well. I felt like um, some of the some of the stuff in there is pointing towards the relationship um, between the Doctor and Yaz as well. Um, don't know where you guys stand on the the shipping the shipping forecast for uh, for Yaz. I don't really have an opinion. Ship shipper's going to ship that. That's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I, I love it. And it, it's, um, I, I think what you get very explicitly out of this book is how proud the doctor is of Yaz. I mean, she, you know, she, she actually says it or, internally says it um and i i love that um because because she has had she's like um oh lordy who who, the line of duty uh lady um oh for god's sake kate fleming thank you kate fleming who who is just hard as nails policewoman and yet you sense has this kind of internal fragility 
Um, I, I get exactly the same out of Yaz. You know, she's she's competent. She can do stuff. Uh, but the, the, there's so much going on, and they they get really. Um, sorry, the book gets really into uh, Yaz's bullying at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that kind of othering. Is Flint? Yeah, all those scenes yeah. are are really I well written. Particularly the bit where they invite her to the party and then tell her it's fancy dress and then run away from her laughing at her and it's just horrible i hate izzy flint so much (laughs) i did wonder in terms of um appealing to the 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 thasmin shippers there's there's certain things in there like they seem quite throwaway but but when you put them all together so the mention of the doctor being engaged to elizabeth the first early on um, it you know seeds that um, the idea of the doctor having a relationship with another woman, and then what is quite a funny reference as well to the trial of a time lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, it's, there's actually a chapter, isn't there, called yeah. <laughs> the trials of a time lord? Yeah. <laughs> when when well, the doctor is telling Yaz about being, you know, it's Yaz that she tells, and and Yaz as a uh, uh, police officer. That's who it has the effect on. That's the, right. You know, the, the like, wait, what, what were you being tried for? And, and she goes through it and says, yeah. on genocide. I didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I was framed. <laughs> and then I love the callback to that a bit later on in the book where the doctor is um, waiting at the ducking stool and she she's there wishing that the trial had gone on as long as the trial of the time <laughs> <laughs> So she had more time to think of a plan. Does she not at some point actually say it did drag on a bit? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> which, which box set was it that Joy Wilkinson was behind the sofa for? Was that season twenty-three or was it one of the other ones? Can't, quite, can't remember. Sorry, Mark. No, nor me. Yeah, yeah. Just reminded me that I got an email just before we started recording from a horrific online retailer <laughs> saying that, that um, uh, season is it's twenty-four, isn't it? Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. Yeah, is now due out on June the 21st. June the 21st. Not long. I know, I know. But what will the packaging be like? Uh, Will it be season 10 box set, I'm afraid? So, such a good season. Why are you afraid? That's the best one. One of the new additions, which I think uh, deepens the backstory and and fleshes out the connections between the characters, is uh, the introduction of a new character called Annie Clay, who is sort of the the original witch of the village, who basically looks like a witch, lives on her own out in the woods, um, but then gets sort of darker than that, doesn't it? The suggestion that that she's a prostitute, maybe at best. I mean, you 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 say a suggestion. I mean, is it not? <laughs> well, is it not just basically made very, very clear. It, or you almost hope she's a prostitute that that it is consensual, I suppose, because it's that's the bit that's not maybe made clear. Oh, fair, yeah. About the um, the sort of the male visitors and things like that. It's a it's a really dark part of the book, I think. And then that she is uh, Becca's mum, who then gave yeah. her to be raised by. 
um, old mother Twiston to give her a better life and is the person that ends up killing her as a witch. It's um, it, it's about as, as grim as the book gets, I think. Yeah, I thought those, those pages were, were really, really well written and it sort of added a little bit of tragedy, I think, to Becca as well, yeah. who... I think on TV came over very much as villainous and horrible yeah. and, and evil. And it made her a bit more three dimensional. The fact that her mother, that she'd killed her mother without knowing that she was her mother and um, having, and dealing with that sort of later when she found that out was, yeah, that was really, really good stuff. And having killed her adoptive mother as well, um, which I, I'd forgotten that part of it till I read the book and then went back and read the episode that um, Mother Twiston had raised her and that she'd had her over at the house trying to help heal her of the of the infection um, of the of the Morax. Um, so yeah, in, in in a way, she sort of killed killed both of her mothers as well. Yeah, it's dark stuff. Mm. But again, it it goes back to what we were saying earlier on about. Um, Joy Wilkinson really going for the the female part of this story. There's very mm. few men mentioned in the village other than the man really that um, that uh, Becca ends up marrying. And even he doesn't last very long in the story at all. He gets a few scant mentions because he's, he's killed off before the story starts. Mm. And that sets her very much on the path that she's she's going down. I think there's a suggestion that he had been to visit Annie Clay as well, that, that, you know, oh, yes. The mm-hmm. characters were, um, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're indulging in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's very much text rather than subtext. The, the, one of the few notes I made, uh, was the the bit where the doctor says these are hard times for women? If we're not being drowned, we're being patronised to death. Uh, which it, it, it that's really on the nose and has not necessarily changed that much apart from the the actual drowning. Sorry, uh, Mark, I'm furthering my woke <laughs> agenda here. <laughs> yeah, they, um, she also did a very good. I, Although it's sort of almost wrong to say, I enjoyed all the ducking stool sort of um, sequences. I thought they were were written very well, and yeah, the fear that uh, Mother Twiston has before she goes under is is sort of really palpable all the way through that. And then you know what the stakes are when it happens to the Doctor, and. I I still chuckle about the doctor just throwing in Harry Houdini again as an old friend. <laughs> that's how she escapes after a wet weekend with Harry Houdini. <laughs> that's good. And we um, the other thing we get is is more background on the Morax themselves. We get the um, the earliest chapters are their capture and imprisonment. The backstory was a bit like the Daleks as well, the way that they were the survivors of a nuclear war who then went out into the universe and tried to recreate the same the same circumstances on, on other worlds. And then the whole thing that they, they were caught because there was a baby that they found. and she was, That is absolutely grim, that bit. I, that, that's some of the grimmest stuff I've read in Doctor, Doctor Who. The, the, the bit where... the, the the more the queen of the Morax 
is prepared to kill a baby with a great big rock. Mm. Yeah, What's and that? then like, the surprise of five. its eyes suddenly glowing and it not being a baby at all, but the trap to, that captures them is a really good twist. I liked that a lot. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's justified though, isn't it? You know, the, the Queen says, I didn't kill it, but I would have, and I wouldn't be wrong. It was my territory, my rules. You know, these, these are these an absolute monster. Yeah, and yeah. Um, what I liked was this was where, just starting the book, it felt like your old school target books where you've got that bit of backstory about the aliens that you haven't seen on the TV and yeah. suddenly it all clicks a bit more and you think, yeah, this is why they've had this, this punishment. You can see, see why they've got this. This is perfectly reasonable. And this is why they need to be stopped later on. It makes that all a lot clearer. I really liked that. And I like yeah. the idea that they were originally in a physical prison um, so they were in their original forms and it was this sort of maze that, that they could never get out of. But there was the idea that they, they could still have redeemed themselves at that point. They could have learned. Yeah. But instead, they, uh, the queen spent the whole time railing against the people that had imprisoned her, saying how when she escaped, she was going to kill them all. And then when she kills one of her own soldiers for suggesting that that's why they can't get out of the prison, they're back in the courtroom and that's when they're robbed of their corporeal form and and reduced to the uh the sort of primordial mud that's uh, that's imprisoned um under the the hill it, it, it's all good stuff i mean and, and none of that is even suggested at in the tv episode is it no no so i wonder whether this was in her head before she wrote the script on tv whether she'd got the backstory ready and she knew why or whether this was something that she came back to later and thought oh perhaps i can explore this a bit more and mm. i can put this in as a prologue or or at the start of the book um to get it started and then you know why the stakes are so high it'd be very kind of interesting to know which way round it was because it it does give so much sort of extra texture to the morax yeah she's she's great i, I was kind of I, I looked up um joy wilkinson on wikipedia just to see if i'd missed anything um and i kind of haven't i i you know there was like episodes of doctors and holby city and things like that um was there a dickens adaptation that she might have done i don't know I don't know, but you know this. This is so richly textured and well thought through and cleanly written that I would love to read more stuff by Joy Wilkinson. Their only other piece of Doctor Who writing was one of the short stories in the Target Storybook. Oh, it was, oh. wasn't it? Yes, that's right. Yes, I thought she'd she'd done something there, hadn't she? Yeah, and again, that's a Thirteenth Doctor story with with the same companions. Oh, God. I love the fam. I am really going to miss Graham and Ryan. Definitely. Another thing that um, I remember from watching the TV story that this reminded me of, and it, it sort of deepens it a little bit with the book, is um, there's an M.R. James ghost story called The Ash Tree. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yes. And um, the one of the, one of the, um, the things that... Oops. Makes ah. the, the landowner 
believe that the the original character is a witch is because she um, he sees her in the tree at night cutting things off it, um, which again we we learn in the book of this story is what Mother Twiston does that she's her herbs and remedies are coming from the tree that is the Morax prison, and that's why it has these special properties. And it was able to hold back the infection in Becca for longer. It's what gives Willa eternal life. Um, and I think in that, I haven't read it for a while, I think that story, the tree gets chopped down, which leads it to... It does, yes. Mm-hmm. As well, so... Um, yeah, whether that was something that uh, that was an influence or got very similar ideas. Yeah, it may well have been. It might well have been something that Joy Wilkinson has read or maybe seen the TV adaptation of, which starred Lola Ward. Oh, oh very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. I was just reaching for that. I'm sure it's Lala Ward in that one, isn't it? So I haven't really seen many of the adaptations. I just um, a couple of Christmases ago, I bought one of the collections of, of ghost stories and um, and read them. Um, but that one, that one stuck in my mind more than some of the others. But I will definitely look out for that. Yeah, I, ca- I can't immediately prove that one way or the other, Simon. Let's okay. assume you're well, we're, right. We're just assume you... that I've got this correct. Yeah, yeah. No, it's right. You say you said it with authority. That, yeah, that's kind exactly. of what you need that's to do the these counts. days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's how you make facts now, isn't it? Just say <laughs> things <laughs> authority. People will believe you. So. Yeah, no, it's good. There was a bit in 2016 where we just waved a cheery goodbye to ontology, and that was that. Was that. <laughs> just do what you like now. So is Lala Ward a witch in that? No, she's a noble woman. Ah, um, so <laughs> she's, she, she's, a, she's a twig. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the book, I'm... I really liked all the descriptions of um, the Morax coming to life and the um, the twigs and the mud and um, sort of reanimating Mother Twiston and all of that was done really, really well. It was really evocatively written and you can see it in your head without even seeing the TV episode. You can see what's happening so clearly. And it's sort of the way she des- describes it so almost um, sort of viscerally that you can sense the smell and the um, the texture of it all, and it all not quite being right because it's the wrong bits coming together from from the earth to to create these creatures is really really good. Yeah, that's that that whole bit with the the apple with the maggot in it right yes. at the start, it's, which is just like that's fabulous. That's just really good writing. Yeah, yeah it's all that sense right from the start that nothing is quite right here and everything's mm. just a bit rotten at the heart of it. And obviously yeah. that's that's from the top down, from Becca downwards into the village and all. And they've all been infected by the tree at at the hill. It's yeah, it's really, really good. It, it's such a turning point, isn't it? The, the the bit where Graham says, you know, that's something along the lines of, you know, is anyone missing the party vibe all of a sudden? And it's just like, it's like, yeah, that was all quite fun. And now it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And I suppose like the infection of, of witch hunting as well, once that suspicion and fear takes hold and it's uh, you know spreads through the community and nobody trusts anybody anymore and uh, they're accusing each other. 
Mm. Well, exactly. And you think that village is doomed because they're going to wipe out all the women and then there's going to be no new generation and that will that will finish them off. And eventually the village is doomed anyway and King James clears it out mm. at the end anyway, which is why Graham knows nothing about the village later on. I know. He's done, he's done the Pendle Witch Tour and everything, and it's like, why don't I know about this? It's like, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautifully done. Uh, you, you, you chaps seem a lot more plugged into uh, things than I am. How, how did this episode land? How, how is it regarded? I'm not sure. I mean, well, I, 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 don't, I don't really know anymore, because, they, 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 like I say, you know, episodes come... And then three quarters of an hour later, they're gone and they're always there again. But there's just this just tsunami of content <laughs> that's just <laughs> constantly making its way towards people. So I, I, I don't know to what extent people kind of revisit things or um, kind of go back to them or celebrate them or or, or, or what, really. You know, it's, it's just like, is, is it a thing? And then it's gone. Uh is 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 it a thing that has longevity and if it is do people like it i think it's probably like every doctor who episode and some people love it and some people hate it and there's not much middle ground (laughs) (laughs) i i think in general particularly in that um series of doctor who it was the historical stories that landed better with with the fans than than the science fiction stories did. So Rosa, this one, and Demons of the Punjab always seem to be the yeah. ones that people talked about a lot more than, say, um, the Saranga conundrum or Arak yeah. in the UK, for instance, or the the very memorable finale of the series. <laughs> oh, yes, the um, the Battle of Rajmar. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, uh, K- Kablam landed though, didn't it? That that yes. was um, that, that that was a nice well kind of R- R- Robert Holmes kind of satire right in the middle of the series there, mm-hmm. and and they talk about it. I what I very much like about this uh, novelization that we're talking about today is that it's not it's not an isolated artifact. They, they you know they, it's not kidding on that other stuff hasn't happened. So you know they they talk about. Uh, Joey Wilkinson talks about Kablam and uh, they, they bring up the demons of the Punjab. I like that. Yeah, and, and to the wider series as well, like you say, the, the connections to the Trial of a Time Lord. They mention the um, the beast from um, the uh, the Impossible Planet, don't they? At one oh, point. yes, where, yes where, yeah, they, yeah. where the Doctor quite amusingly says... Is, is about to say I've met Satan and then thinks something yeah. better of it. And says, it's not, I won't mention the beast. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> there's a there's a lovely bit uh, towards the end where Yaz is talking uh, to uh, oh I've forgotten her name is it Willa the young the young woman yeah. uh, and you know says yeah I've got di- di- you know different phrases for things these days you know talk about you know sort of confronting your demons and she goes <gasps> she's no not that not that sort of demon <laughs> no and there's there's a bit earlier on like that where where she says oh everything's going to hell and then she sort of stops and realizes <laughs> and says but not actual hell that's fine <laughs> <laughs> just those little touches all the way through that really make this book it, it's really well considered isn't it mm-hmm. in some ways it's a sort of similar 
recognizable uh, you know it's 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 you know near Preston or whatever and then but they they literally believe that Satan is a physical being who is stalking the land and and it, and it's a is is a real threat to them the thing about are oh, we killed all the horses because they're all possessed by Satan yeah. stuff and it's um, to them it's a much more much more immediate thing. Yeah. I, I, I love at the end that um, James it, it, it kind of has a little penny drop moment and he starts asking the doctor about things and she she can't tell him because she doesn't want to, you know, accelerate the enlightenment by a hundred years, yeah. you know, which is, <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's good stuff. Every, every, everyone gets a fair crack of the whip um in this book have have you done uh, there was there was a whole bunch of novelizations came out when this one mm-hmm. uh came out have, have you done them all mark have, uh, have you done any this is the first one well we did revelation and resurrection of the daleks when they originally came out on the little hardbacks oh, uh, dear. Uh, but no we've uh, yeah we've still got uh, dalek and the crimson horror scheduled over the next few weeks oh, yeah sitting in my pile i'm excited about the crimson horror particularly it's it's very good yeah yeah very interesting adaptation of that story very interesting indeed <laughs> have you re- you've read it simon yeah uh, well i had yeah i had to review um sort of, oh, of every course. other yeah, book yeah. in this said... in this release um oh, sort of uh <laughs> what's the word uh all the other releases in at this time other than this one so i had to read them very fast so i need to read them again at some point just so that i can take in what i was what i was skipping through because i thought i've got to get the review in it needs to be in soon so Mm. i think the the crimson horror the thing that sticks in my mind uh from when the tv episode went out was the thing that you said, John, that it was um, steampunk Thunderball. St- no, steampunk Moonraker, mate. You said that right. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> steampunk Moonraker. That uh, <laughs> steampunk Thunderball. That was, that's a lot. It's a, it's a lot more difficult getting your steam up un- <laughs> under water. <laughs> <laughs> Thunderball is uh, Thunderball is one of the few James Bond films I don't really like that much. I oh, love Never Say so There is someone else who doesn't like it very much. Do you know what? I, I, and it's 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 worse, Simon, because I really like Never Say Never Again. Yes, me too. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> I know, but it's very reassuring to know there is someone else who feels exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, it all went a bit Bond there. I know, you, uh, do you like James Bond, Mark? I don't know if you've heard of him. He's I, a, I've seen he's the other one, yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember that No Time to Die podcast we did a year and a half ago? <laughs> Still in, on the back burner, that one. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> There's, there is another date, isn't it? Is it October again? Or Yeah, I think, yeah. We might actually get to see it. You never know. <laughs> but his phone will be massively out of out of uh, <laughs> out of time by then, won't it? It'll be surpassed massively. <laughs> oh, Alan Cumming. Now, what 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 do we think about Alan Cumming? Uh, it's interesting because I felt, in some ways, King James came over as fairly flat in the book because the I think his performance on TV had been so big. 
and joyful to watch all the way through that actually in the book he didn't come over quite so well. I don't know if that that was just me, but that's sort of how I sort of felt. He was almost sort of flatter in in prose than he was on TV. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, Alan Cumming is tremendous and I love him. Um, and, he, you know, he's done all sorts of stuff that is uh, just a, a stunning merit. I, you know, he's brilliantly talented. But for, for somebody of my age living in the country I live in, basically what we know Alan Cumming from is a sitcom called The High Life. <laughs> Oh, dearie me! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's um, it's a very low budget Scottish sitcom. Sorry, Mark, it was a it's a sitcom. It was on uh, a television. Three words, right? <laughs> the highlight. Uh, he and Forbes Mason played um, uh, air stewards. I think you would call on you call them on a. a Scottish low budget Scottish uh, airway, and it's very, very funny. Oh, it's fantastic! It's incredibly crude, and I'm going to have to say, I think it might not stand the test of time. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's great. It's like you know, I, I, I kind of you see Alan coming there, and then you see him in I don't know the X Men or something. You know? <laughs> How has this happened? <laughs> I think the first thing I was aware of him in was Goldeneye. That's probably the oh, first. Oh, of course, yeah, with the pen. Yeah. yeah. I am invincible. Yeah, <laughs> you and your James Bond, Mark. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, I really liked him in The Good Wife. I don't know if you ever saw that kind of US legal drama, um, which also starred. Um, Chris Knopf. <laughs> star Felicity Kendall, Richard Briers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it made me wonder if, if Chris Chibnall is something of a Good Wife fan, having cast uh, two of the main characters from it in Doctor Who so far. Oh, who's the other one? Sorry. Yeah, Chris Knopf. Oh, right, yes. Okay. Uh, the Donald Trump guy. Who yeah. is apparently in Sex and the City? Sex in the City. Sex or the City. I haven't seen it. Something like that, isn't it? Yeah. He's, wasn't he Mr. Big? I don't know. This is, I, I didn't know him. When, when he was on Doctor Who, uh, everyone said, look, there's this guy from mm -hmm. that TV programme. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I had no idea either, so <laughs> it's, you're not alone. That is. Also, that's not how you spell North. <laughs> Every planet has a knot. <laughs> <laughs> but another, another thing to like about this story, I think, is, uh, and what what I've liked since the the Thirteenth Doctor era started, is this sort of bringing it a bit further north. We've you know we've got the, this story set in Sheffield. We've got this one set in Preston. Um, it looks from the new series like they're filming in Liverpool. Um, it looks like the, the TARDIS was at the Albert Docks a few weeks ago. You've got a doctor and a master that say master now instead of master, which are quite like, mm. it's, uh, it's all to be applauded, I think. Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. And again, one of the great things about Chris Chibnall's Doctor Who is that they're going to different parts of history that aren't sort of the mainstream parts of history that Doctor Who's always visited before. And um, I'm learning a lot from, from all those those different settings. And also, I applaud them going to Sheffield because I lived there for three years while I was at university and I always thought it would be a great place to set a Doctor Who story. <laughs> Sheffield is a tremendous city. It really um, is. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely just echoing what, what you're saying there, Simon. I, I got so much out of this. It, it, this, is, this is basically a historical... Um, this, you know, it's like there, there is... Um, uh, haven't read it. Own it. Haven't read it. Uh, uh, Doctor Who missing adventures called the Plotters mm-hmm. by Gareth, Gareth Roberts. What a nice man he turned out to be. Um, which is set in the court of King James and is about that kind of era of history. I I, I, I feel like I should get into that, but I haven't done. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, the. Uh, uh, the Witchfinders has enough historical stuff in it for me to think, yeah, that's that's what historicals used to do. But you've got like a science fiction thing because that's what you have to do now. Mm. I do remember when this episode went out for the first sort of five minutes, thinking, is this going to be a pure historical? Because until the mud tendrils turn up, it it could have been about the accusation of witchcraft, um, you know, with with no basis or no. No aliens around uh, that are creating the the unusual circumstances that would lead them to believe that there was. Uh, it would have been an interesting way to go with it. Mm. Um, the the gunpowder plot is that before or after this in King James's life? Well, it's, it's before because the the Doctor talks about rescuing him from Guy Fawkes. Says, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I might not rescue you from Guy Fawkes. And he says, well, but that's already happened <laughs> in the past. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that leads on to a really interesting conversation with Graham and another passage in the yes. book that I really liked where the Doctor suddenly feels tired and so not yes. just physically tired, just the tired of being the age that she is and having lived through all of this and having to answer this question again about whether they could go back and save Grace and all these things that you feel the Doctor has been through so many times with so many different people over the years and then having to do it all again with this new lot and there's a real weariness in the Doctor there that I really liked that is, that is an amazing piece of writing, and I, I absolutely glommed onto that as well, Simon. That is just that, um, you know, so she's just just so tired, and it's not like a physical tiredness because you know she's got this new body and it's like fizzing with energy and stuff like that. It's just this absolute weariness um, that you you suddenly sense. It, it, it's beautifully done that bit. Yeah, there was a yeah, just wonderful passage about where she says, um, "I can't be a dam across time and stop one thing happening because something will break that." And where do you stop? Everything is flowing all the time, and you can't. How and then where do you stop? Do you go to changing people's minds to stop them doing the bad things? And 
how yeah how far do you go and you can see yeah that's a really really brilliant brilliant concept and really defines what the doctor is yeah it's lovely and it you know it's a thing i i I don't think it's even hinted at in the tv episode this is a thing joy wilkinson has just put in and it's 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 such a great insight she should do more stuff joy wilkinson i really hope she does after this if not on tv then write more books joy please (laughs) yes endorsed Mm mm-hmm Definitely, because it's in that conflict with the doctor, right? Because right at the beginning, when they arrive, she says, "Can't get involved in anything." Oh, you know, yeah. we, we're here. We and then as soon as she sees Mother Twist and being ducked in the, <laughs> she's uh, she's diving straight in, and it's uh, it's uh, yeah, that, that's a great scene as well. That um, that totally reversing what what she's just said. Um, yeah, and I suppose. Doesn't stand up to that much scrutiny as well. If um, if that's what, if Graham's thinking, well, how can you travel back in time, save this person just on a whim? Um, but I suppose that's where the fixed points and all that come in, isn't it? That the, uh, the time lord can sense what you can and can't change. That bit where the Doctor is threatening James not to save him from uh, Guy Fawkes, which she clearly already has done in the past. Just it's in her future or something. Can't remember. Um, and and you know it, it, it's kind of a threat. But then you know you you have her thought about it, which is that now it's, it's a fixed point in time. I can't I can't do that. You know, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That that has to work out the way it worked out. Yeah, because I was thinking I'd love Alan Cummings to come back um, and reprise this role, but I I didn't I couldn't remember if. The gunpowder plot was after this because that that would be um, that would have made a, a good sequel to this one. Yeah, but haven't they already done the gunpowder plot? Wasn't that one of the games that they did a few years ago with Matt Smith yeah. or or something? It sort of yeah. rings a bell. That's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can get around anything by saying that, Mark. Which <laughs> I saw the Eleventh Doctor on Alan Partridge. Yes, that was amazing. That was a oh my god! (laughs) I love Matt Smith so much. Me too. (laughs) Yeah, that was brilliant. That was that was quite a surprise. Not the sort of thing you would normally turn up on, but no, it's just a tiny little part. But he did it so perfectly. Yeah. Very good. Love Alan Partridge being back. Yeah. And in fact, <laughs> Yes, it was a very good one this week. Yes. <laughs> Said three fans talking together. <laughs> this is not an Alan Partridge or James Bond podcast. But, uh, did, you, did you chaps download from the Oast House the Audible podcast Alan Partridge thing? I haven't, no. I haven't. It is phenomenal it's really good i don't have an audible subscription but that that was the thing that you know jeff 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 bezos just doesn't need another gold-plated helicopter (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that that would be the thing that tempted me to get one definitely because uh yeah i love partridge i think there might be a free trial option yeah i think you can have a free month listen to that and then 
Stop. You're writing that down now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Look up free audible. Well, yeah. <laughs> that time we diddled Jeff Bezos. <laughs> He'll be crying. <laughs> uh, but speaking of audible, you've um, listened to the audiobook of this one, John? I have listened to the audiobook of this one. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's Sophie Aldred doing all the voices. Now, uh, uh, we differ here. I thought her 13th Doctor was great. You, 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 you beg to disagree? Well, I've only, I've heard the audiobook of her own novel at childhood's end, and I thought her 13th Doctor sounded like Daphne from Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so, but I think that's maybe um, a lady from the south of England doing a generic northern accent is, is what it comes out as. That's fair enough. No, I, I, I liked it very much. Uh, there's um, uh, there, there's a weird sort of interpolation that uh, I have to assume Sophie Aldrich does, uh, which got my, my dander up. She does a from whence, uh, which is, is one of my things I don't like. Just whence, whence, from where, whence, that's what that is. From whence is from from where. You know, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not saying don't use it, but, you know, be aware of what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, I, I assumed that was Sophie Aldred reading out a terrible solecism that Joy Wilkinson had perpetrated. And then I read the book and no, it's not in the book. Joy Wilkinson knows what she's doing. <laughs> After the other. Uh, and, and now I'm slightly annoyed. I don't know if um, Sophie Aldred looked at this, you know, when side came and went, Oh, she's Mr. From. She's Mr. From out of that. I'm going to put that in. <laughs> From whence. Um, yeah, anyway, no, it's uh, it, it, it's a very good audiobook. I enjoyed it, and it doesn't take long to listen to. Um, I like Sophie Aldred so much. <laughs> I think she does a great, a great 13th Doctor. I think she does a great Graham and a great Ryan, and her Yaz is also there. I'll be interested to hear that I will come back to that a few months down the line having now read the novel twice I'm not ready to have it read to me yet I'm afraid so I'll wait for that one to come cheap in the sales at the end of the year I quite like having Sophie Aldred reading things to me while I'm in bed. It just, mm-hmm. it just makes me happy. Yeah, I... I what a... difficult, difficult times we live in, but that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's a nice thing. Yeah, well, one of my favourite audio ranges of all is the Target Book um, audio range. I love those. But where I've not been travelling to work for various reasons very much over the last year and a bit... Um, I'm now massively behind because I can't get through them at home. <laughs> so, um, yes, I've got lots to catch up on, including all of these new ones, which will be good. In fact, I haven't heard I half know. of the old new ones yet, so they're sitting oh, on the shelf that. ready to be listened to. I love the old, old ones. There's um, <laughs> Tom Baker does Brain of Morbius, and he don't, you know, that... Um, I'm pretty certain it's Brain of Morbius. You know, the, the little paragraph they used to have at the beginning of Target books that says, um, you know, the, the cover of this book shows Doctor Who in his fourth incarnation. <laughs> at which point Tom Baker goes, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got the audio book of, of um, Scratchman, the, the, oh. the novel that he based on. It's, yeah, yeah, the, 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 yeah, based on, on the script that he and, he and Marta wrote in the 70s. 
And there's yes. bits in I'm, that. I'm going to say, I, there's like, yeah, Ian Martyr, absolutely. Tom Baker, absolutely. I suspect most of the heavy lifting was James Goss. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just quite probably, yeah. Uh, but there's bits in the audio book of that where Tom Baker is reading it out, and then he'll, he'll go, "You'll like this bit." book. It's a lovely um, sort of storytellerly way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's some. Um... Oh crikey! I, I'm, I'm 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 going by recollection here, but there's a commentary track on the Wicker Man. You know the uh, Edward Woodward Wood film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Of course, you know the Wicker Man. Um, and the the commentary track is I, I think it's Edward Woodward and Christopher Lee, and it's sort of moderated by um, Mark Kermode uh, back when he was very young. And Christopher Lee is not saying very much throughout this commentary. And then there's a bit where he clearly perks up, uh, and there's a picture. It's like a shot of a door. And Christopher Lee goes, oh, now this is where I come in. And then the door opens and there's Christopher Lee. And he goes, there I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Christopher Lee. (laughs) (laughs) He was in uh, The Man with the Golden Gun, Mark, played Scaramanga. True. (laughs) Don't know if you know that. (laughs) (laughs) You're being fansplained again. (laughs) You've got got a superfluous nipple, Mark. (laughs) What I love about The Man with the Golden Gun, I'm sorry, I go on about this all the time, but that bit in The Man with the Golden Gun where Christopher Lee drives his car into the barn and they bolt on the wings and the propeller and he flies out yeah I mean they've invented planes just get a plane (laughs) it's a whole lot easier just have a barn with a plane in it and then you can drive it you see John this is why you're not a supervillain you see you're just thinking far too sensibly and your bar is far too low on this There are other reasons. To move every like all the mints out of the uh, glove box and everything, they have to take out of the car and into the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and not forgetting Mary Goodnight, who you've locked in the boot. I love the idea that he's flying his plane and sort of navigating with a Phillips Road Atlas or something. <laughs> 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 ah, dear. Yes, The Man with the Golden Gun is very much a film about making things out of other things because he makes his gun out of like a pen and a lighter and stuff. It's like, just mm-hmm. buy a gun, mate. <laughs> buy a plane and buy a gun, right? <laughs> then you've got a plane and a gun. <laughs> Don't need to do all this self-assembly stuff. So, um... Yes. <laughs> so that's the end of our podcast. But don't cry. We will still be with you in the water, in the fire, in the air, and on Apple iTunes, where you can subscribe and find all our previous episodes. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's great, Mark. Did you write that down in your special biro? <laughs> <laughs>
beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. I mean, it, it, it was good material, and I felt you sold it. You, 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 you properly landed that one, Mark. Well, you want to do it again? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me. Been a been a pleasure talking about this fantastic book with you guys. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I wasn't more polite. Simon's nice though, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. So it's just really nice to talk about something that's really good that we've all yeah. thoroughly enjoyed. Here, here, here. Definitely. Well, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.